Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of the TV Black Box exclusive, the shocking analysis which shows one of Australia's free-to-air broadcasters is heading for oblivion. Sam Frost gets the jab so she doesn't get the sack. And from home and away to Hollywood, a fascinating chat with the delightful Tenant Sursock. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. TV Black Box is about to start. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is TV Black Box bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. And it's a bloody big welcome to everybody who is taking the time to listen to this edition of the TV Black Box podcast. And it's a full house. We've got David Robinson on the GC. Hello, Robbo. Hello there, Rob. Great to be with everyone. Looking forward to talking about all things television. Lovely. We go down south to Sydney where we find Mulk. Hello, Mulky, the viewer's advocate. It's a bloody great correction because I'm in Port Macquarie tonight, but thank you, Rob. Hello, nonetheless. So we'll come a little bit north. (laughs) (laughs) I should actually ask you where you are. I always get your location wrong. It's only when you assume, Rob. And then we head over to the west where Aaron Ryan is in his little booth ready to go. Hello, Aaron. Yeah, hello, gorgeous people. Yeah, the people here in WA and, of course, the rest of the world celebrating the safe return of young Cleos. Very exciting. Yeah, great news story. Great news story. Uh, Then we head across the ocean to find little Sarah Monaghan sitting in a boat. Wow. Sarah. (laughs) It is very early and uh, Fantasy Fest is over, so I might actually get to start watching TV again this week. Oh, I I don't think I can even ask you about that. Oh, just don't uh, do a Google image search. It'll just burn your retinas. Lots of old boobs hanging down to places they don't need to hang. And that's just me. (laughs) All right, let's get into the news stories of the week because it's one of the longest engagements in Australian television history. But it appears the marriage of two big stars is close to being a reality. I'm talking, of course, about Seven West Media and Prime Media Group. Seven made the shock announcement this week saying they had entered into a conditional share sale agreement. If approved by shareholders, Seven would own Prime, Lock, Stock and Barrel. 2019 was the last time the pair tried unsuccessfully to tie the knot. Monk, is this good or bad for the industry, particularly regional areas? I have concerns about local news. Yeah, and, and as well you should, I think, Rob. Um, it, it, it's good for Seven, certainly. And I know that James yeah. Wharton, this is his second attempt uh, in about three years to try and wrest control of Prime and to make it a part of the Seven, broader Seven family. Uh, so congratulations there. It looks like it's going to get the votes. I'm, I'm, I think we have to wait and see what Prime 7 or whatever they decide to rename it, even if they do, looks like. We do have some precedent in how 7 Queensland functions in relation to 7, uh, you know, the, the sort of parent company or the, you know, the metro companies. Uh, and they, they, they do have some, but not a heap of investment in regional news gathering particularly. So I I would hope that that would continue, though I think we would have to expect that there will be some slicing and dicing to make it cost competitive, let's call it that. Yeah. Look, the fact is this is the way of the world, uh, Aaron. This is what happens. It's all about consolidation and growth. Yeah, absolutely. I think there'll be like a lot of cost synergies uh, for Seven and they can provide advertisers with that full total TV package now that we've, you know, that total TV's uh, come on board and with ratings. I don't think it will reduce local news or identity. I mean, Prime is almost an exact copy of Seven at the moment, aside from the yeah. the 30-minute news and the uh, ridiculous amount of extra home shopping that Prime <laughs> viewers get. There may even be some improvement with, for viewers with who are missing multi-channels like Seven Flicks, 
But in terms of the news, I mean, over in WA, GWN 7 News uh, is absolutely huge. Uh, I don't think uh, 7 seven will be looking to actually put more money or at least the same amount of money into it because that is a big feed into to the main bulletin at 6 o'clock. 7 Queensland, as we know, does, does very well. Um, and... Yeah, they may consolidate some of the like Victorian New South Wales markets and have like one news service rather than you know a few in the area. So that may happen. The only other thing that people might not know is um, Seven don't have uh, control of or Prime, sorry, don't have control of South Australia, the Northern Territory or Tasmania. So this is not part of the uh, the package um, because Southern Cross and Wynn own those licence areas. So I think all in all, it'll be, it'll be fine and I don't think there'll be a reduction too much in local news. I think you've nailed it though, unfortunately, Aaron, in noting the synergies. As soon as we start to talk about that and consolidation, ultimately that means job losses. Oh, and absolutely. They haven't, they haven't made any notification about that. They don't yet own the company, so they can't make any big claims around how Prime is going to function. Um, just as we can't necessarily say that regional viewers will get the full suite of seven multi-channels because there's also costs involved in getting the spectrum access to be able to deliver that. Um, it, it, there's a lot still to be played out. And at this stage, all it is, is an, an announcement from Seven to the share market that they've made this offer and that the primary shareholders of the Prime Seven business are going to support it. So there is heaps of dust to blow up in uh, in this situation yet. Yeah, fair enough. All right, there have been multiple reports over the past few weeks about the ratings of Channel 10's The Project. So I thought I'd do a bit of a deep dive into that and 10's other regular programming so we can actually get a, a state of the union, find out what's actually happening. I will say, the news ain't good. The project has seen its ratings plummet to an all-time low of just 367,000 five-city metro. That means it's shedding nearly 30% of its 2011 audience of 538,000. It now owns the dubious title of Commercial TV's worst-performing regular nightly premium program. Let's turn our attention to 10's 5pm news now. In 2001, 10's news service recorded 1.07 million five-cap city metro. Since then, it's shed a staggering 70% of its audience to sit currently at 363,000 across the capital cities. Its commercial share has more than halved across this period from 49.4% to sit now at 22.5%. Studio 10's ratings peaked in 2016 and 2017. Now that's where it gained audience from Sunrise in 2016 and then it took audience from the Today Show in 2017. In the five years since then, it has fallen back to its startup number of just 42,000 in the five cap cities. Those are the three regular shows which air on Channel 10 around the year. But the news is also bad on a number of other fronts in primetime. MasterChef Australia is down 39% this year versus 2020. The Bachelor was down 29% this year versus last year. The Masked Singer is down 25%. Australian Survivor was flat year on year. Making it Australia, as we know, bombed. Celebrity MasterChef is struggling. And The Bachelorette is down over 30% this year versus 2020. So, Mog, the question has to be asked... How do the people running this joint still have jobs? Oh, mate. Um, the, look, some real questions need to be asked is, is where the situation falls for 10. Um, the, the figures that you've quoted, we're not making them up. They're the actual no. numbers, and that's the situation for, for 10 across 2021 compared to previous years, previous franchises. There's so little good news for 10. And crazily enough, and I know that you'll love this, the doghouse has gone up week on week. And I've got to say, I was wrong about the doghouse. But it's not a... It's not like a gangbuster. Oh, it won't save the network, right? It's doing 566,000 or something like that. You know, it's it's not exactly doing a million or anything like that. Did win the slot last night, but anyway, we'll save that for later. Yeah, but that, that speaks more about the state of Australian TV. You know, yeah. the only thing currently working is the block. 
Oh, look, there's a few other shows that are working, but let's let's kind of lean beyond that. The real challenge for 10 is that there are so many programs that are taking up valuable primetime space for them that are criminally underperforming. If Viacom CBS are not paying close attention to 10 after their 2021 performance, they don't care. No, this is the question I've got, Robbo. Do Viacom CBS care? I know they're making a play for streaming, and James Warburton, the CEO of Seven, said 10 is a streaming company now. They're not a television station. How low can these ratings go before they can't make revenue? I I find it extraordinary. I I just do. Rob, the problem is is that uh, Network 10 is geo-blocked. So people in uh, Viacom CBS can't watch Channel 10 in America. Uh, and that appears this is to be true. The I problem. can vouch for that. Yeah, this appears to be the problem as to why maybe Viacom CBS, the eye under the eye, doesn't actually see what's happening down under. Uh, but, yeah, it is a big problem. And it's kind of been something that a lot of people in the industry have been asking for a long time. Uh, Viacom CBS came in, bought 10 Obviously, uh, got the debt and all of that kind of thing. We know that story very well. But do they care about it, though? Do they care about it? Maybe they're doing the usual US thing where you acquire an entity, you purposely bankrupt it. That way you can start new again with something completely different. But now they've got the airspace. The real challenge for 10, if that's indeed the model that Viacom CBS are going to, to follow, Sarah, is that launching a new commercial even rebadged, rebranded commercial free-to-air network in Australia in 2022 beyond would be a ludicrous proposition. I don't buy any of that. I think they've left it to the Australian executives who are running it into the ground. This is a network that is dying in front of our eyes. I always supported the idea that there could be three free-to-air commercial networks. What this is showing me is that that is not the case anymore. I mean, they're all struggling. But 10, seriously, is the wounded animal limping. And the fact is, they keep running the same shit and recommissioning the same shit. And it's not flying with the public. So, Aaron, what do they do? It, it is difficult. Um, and this is not a defence at all. But I just want to put one thing in perspective. Channel 10 will always be third in the ratings and that will never improve because they start from such a low base at 6 o'clock. So when we get the ratings come through, 6pm to midnight, between 6 and 7.30pm, they're getting, you know, with a 6pm news, 200,000 versus versus 1 million. I would wonder, though, what their ratings are if you looked at the 10 polls, like 7.30 to 10.30 each night. Because have you been paying a Attention, cheap seats, goggle box, MasterChef when it was up, and they're doing that that uh, sort of all stars version against next year, Doghouse, um, Mask Singer, Survivor, The Amazing Race. When you put those together, they actually are, are, are quite close in ratings with seven and nine. But of course, their late shares, their six pm shares, their Saturday shares just pulls the their, their entire share right down. This is the problem. You can say all the issues they've got. But no one's fixing these. I'm not saying that that's in defence. They need to fix these time slots. But they're, they're never, they're never going to get out of third spot. I think there's more issues here than the uh, the team here, the five of us, can fix in a in a little podcast. And if they do want us to fix it, they can put us on multi million dollar salaries. Okay, let's take a look at how the ratings race is going this week. On Sunday, the Block and a Burt Newton special propelled the Blues to a very strong lead with a massive 41.9% network share. Everything else paled by comparison. On Monday, it was the big new battle between Nine's Parental Guidance and Seven's Big Brother VIP. And surprisingly, it was Parental Guidance out on top. Now look, I say surprisingly because, I've got to be honest, I expected this to be more of a tussle between the two. But the Ali Langdon Parenting Guide delivered 629,000 viewers for the Blues, while Big Brother could only manage 377,000 for the Reds. Now that left Celebrity MasterChef an opportunity to slide into second with 446,000. On Tuesday, 10 romped home with the Melbourne Cup delivering 1.2 million viewers. That helped primetime offering the Doghouse, which has proven to be anything but. And yes, I was wrong. It's not a dog. Parental Guidance on 9 held up though with 547,000 while Big Brother VIP is in real trouble. 
The good numbers for 10 didn't help its share, though, still coming in third behind 7 and 9 in primary and network shares. And just to zip back a bit to last Thursday, The Bachelorette continues to struggle with just 314,000 viewers. Now, that was outrated by leading show The Project, which delivered 369,000 for the 7pm show, and Gogglebox, which shot up to 505,000 viewers. A 7.30 primetime show should not be outrated by the other shows surrounding it. Aaron, anything to add? Not too much to add. Um, I will call out seven when needed, and this is a time to call them out. The Big Brother ratings were woeful, absolutely woeful, under 400,000 viewers. Um, oh, look, I thought the first episode was, was a little boring. I think it's because of all the introductions and stuff, but the second episode was a lot better, but it... It improved extremely marginally. Um, you know, Parental Guidance, though, was a very good show. Um, we would call it a hit, I guess, but then we were talking about comparing things like Survivor. Survivor rated more than Parental Guidance, so do we call Parental Guidance a hit or don't we um, if we're not going to call Survivor but, a hit, which, I, which rated more? Sorry, Aaron, I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. We need to redefine what a hit is uh, because we're no longer in the territory. And I think a lot of people still think, oh, well, if it's not getting a couple of million, then it's an absolute rubbish TV show. We, we've got to keep refining it because the numbers keep going down. So maybe 600,000 or 500,000 is the new 2 million. Aaron, let me ask you, when we look at Total TV, where are shows like Doghouse or um, uh, The Block ending up? Well, they're getting like a 15 to 20% bump in, in, in the ratings. Um, so, I mean, it, it does look a lot better because people are watching TV in different ways. I think one thing is, because we don't want to, obviously viewers are listening to this podcast, so we don't want to blame them, but sometimes people have some really rough choices. I mean, <laughs> they... Wow, don't want to blame them, but... such an elitist attitude. No, no, but let's have a look. Big Brother, so that rates 350,000 or whatever. Okay, nobody's watching that. Next up the line on about 450,000 is a couple of repeat episodes of Highway Patrol. <laughs> and then, and then 200,000 uh, viewers above that is people watching a current affair watching the same stories with chasing dodgy trades people all that kind of stuff. Sometimes a current affair has, you know, good stories. Occasionally they have hard-hitting stories. The Robert Hughes story with someone on this team, Uh, Miss uh, Sarah uh, Monaghan. Well, the the point is, you know, it's just just what people are watching. And you know that... um, a couple of weeks ago when Rob was talking about that elitist top 50 list of shows and stuff like that, I actually understood what you're saying because a lot of those shows that are actually really good, like The Wire, have uh, they're really popular with critics, but then they don't transpire with viewers. And I think that's what Rob was meaning by, by the elitist yes, thing. 100%. So it's the same with the yep. Academy Awards, those big, huge movies that are critically based, but the shows that people are actually watching are things like Kindergarten Cop and, you know, oh. Groundhog Day and oh, wow. stuff like that. Movie. Let's just quote <laughs> no, I mean, two movies what... from the eighties. Yeah. Oh, you yeah, know, I was th- throwing some stuff in like that, but it's just it's just interesting what people current watch. references. Australian television needs to realise that it's still hokey, and then that can still work. Anyone who was at Channel Seven and went into that boardroom and said these are the people we should cast on uh, Celebr- uh, Big Brother VIP, it'll be fantastic. It'll work. Hasn't worked. Uh, you know who I was thinking about? I want to see Ray Martin in there. I want to see Yana Vent in there. You know, they've been on the dance. And now I wow. know that, but we want to see people like that. I want to see Lynn McGranger, Irene from um, Home and Away in there. I want to see people who we consider to be, um, you know, VIPs in this country. Flying Caitlyn Jenner out here was just ridiculous and was never going to work, and it has been proven by the numbers. Uh, I think that they should have gone yeah, more If you can afford Caitlyn Jenner... You could probably offer enough money to some, like, actual Australian celebrities. Robbo, you've just hit the nail on the head, what's wrong with TV. It's trying to be too cool and it's forgotten its hokiness, right? Television is like the ageing rocker who's still trying to put on the leather pants and no one thinks it's cool anymore. But the people who love that rocker will go to the shows and still enjoy it. Hey, I just bought tickets to Hoodoo Gurus. <laughs> Bert Newton rates, what was it, uh, 800,000 or something? Nearly, but it was nearly 800. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, the networks have thrown nostalgia out the window. They're trying to... Oh, no, they have too, not. 
they have lent into it so many times that nostalgia no longer means no, anything. It's not nostalgia. It's repurposing brands and recommissioning brands and diminishing returns. There's a difference between that and nostalgia, my they friend. They really are just trotting out some of the same old things. You cannot say that Australian Idol coming in 2022 is not a nostalgia play. Oh, no, I agree. It 100% is. I agree. And until we get an emboldening of the free-to-air networks, free-to-air commercial networks, where they will commission new programs and stick with them at the risk of it being a flop or possibly making them millions and finding the new franchise they'll flog for 20 years, they'll block... Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to get anywhere. And, and those that those 500s that we currently say, well, that's the number one show in the slot, mate, in two years' time, we'll be calling 350 the number one show at Correct. 7.30. And yeah. that's shithouse. Yep. Streamers like Stan and Netflix have so far enjoyed a fairly unregulated market to play, but a new parliamentary report hopes to change all that. Screen Producers Australia has welcomed the recommendation for a 20% content safeguard. The funding would need to come from their locally sourced revenue. 20% of that 20% would also need to produce kids and drama content. Sarah, this sounds fair enough to me. The three main networks have had to do this for decades. Isn't this just fair? Um, yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I mean... It's it's like and and they should want to because you look at things like Squid Games, which now you know internet providers in Korea are suing Netflix because they've got so many people watching you know because they've got local content. So I mean they should yeah I don't I don't really agree with the whole you have to have a certain amount of kids content because kids don't watch TV. Um, I mean they watch TV but they're probably not going to be watching. Like I don't, I don't get. They're the not going to get that. Yeah, I agree. I don't I'm get the need for specifically, yeah, yeah, for that because they're just going to keep watching the Wiggles. Um, agree. But I do, I do like that they are making like you know, if you want to be here, if you're going to take our tax money, if you're going to take all this money offshore, then at least you could put some of it back and employ some locals. I don't have a problem with it. It just seems like one of those good policy to me. They are actually spending some money doing a um, the Byron Bay's and Heartbreak High. Look, I've been a little bit sceptical about uh, where those ones will sit. They're certainly not going to have the impact of Squid Game. But you know what? Let's see. I've been told by someone who produces this podcast that I should wait to pass judgment. And Abby, I agree. Well, with Channel 7 informing staff last week that the full vaccination against COVID-19 would be mandatory for employment, many wondered where that left Sam Frost. The reality star turned actress copped major public backlash last month after stating in an Instagram video that she would not be getting the jab. Now, the Home and Away star has confirmed she will be getting vaccinated, but it won't be until February after a medical procedure. In the meantime, her character will be going off for, quote, an off-screen adventure. Um, (laughs) Vaccine mandates work. This, This is fair, isn't it? Like, Sarah... Seven have mandated vaccination. If you don't get the vax, you're out. She's now making a decision that she wants to work, and good on her, and she's getting the vax. Happy days. Yeah, I was. I, I saw this on um, Twitter because people were making fun of, you know, like, I'm so, you know, I, I have strong beliefs and I truly believe that you shouldn't have to do this. Oh, wait, my paycheck depends on it. Hang on, let me go ahead and but get it done. But she wasn't really um, like that. No, I think, I, I think people are making it a little too simplistic on Twitter. Um, and there's obviously something going on, and it's none of our business what her medical procedure is as much as we are all wondering what it could possibly be that requires her to put off the, the challenge is, but, Sarah, that when you raise it as the exception and the reason why you can't, it becomes public interest. But I have a friend who's gone through IVF and her OB sure. told her not to get the vaccine. And so we don't want to be like, hey, you know, are you trying to get pregnant? Do you have cancer? Are you doing this? Sure. Like, it's it's truly none of our business. But she's so decided that it. she... Like, yeah, not she you, I mean her. have said anything. Yeah, she shouldn't have said anything to, to start with because nobody would have known better if she just hadn't yeah. said anything. I agree with that. And so, don't make a big deal about it. She put it. a heartfelt video out saying she's got some she concerns. She didn't need to. She, does she need to do that? Why does she need do to do that to, to her tweet? followers? Do I need to tweet? No one needs to do anything on social media. No, but we have to live with the consequences of us tweeting or us putting out a video. So every so people, if, if you disagree, people deserve a pile on. This woman... No, Rob, that's not... No, 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 no. Again, politely, 
don't just jump in on that and suggest that it's all just because everyone can, can, can shit on you. No. The point is that Sam has an elevated profile because she is someone who is in the entertainment industry. She's on her television yeah, most that. nights and then and then and then. And then she shares an opinion on something that is a hot-button issue. Of course, everyone is then going to have an opinion on her opinion. I don't know. I just didn't think she deserved the smackdown that essentially happened. And she's now making a financial decision to stay employed and she's getting vaxxed. Fair enough. All right. The great cricket spruker Michael Clark has caught the attention of ABC's Media Watch and dragged the Today Show down the pitch with him. During an interview on Nine's Breakfast Show, Mr Clark also threw in a few mentions for an alcoholic company, one that he's recently signed with to be a spokesperson. However, according to the network, no broadcasting code was broken. Ads for alcohol are banned in the time slot, but Nine insists it wasn't a paid promotion, nor was it the main focus of the interview. Um, Robbo, the code, as it's written, hasn't broken the law, but should there have been more care? The fact is, isn't it, that sometimes you only get these interviews if they get to spook their stuff. But, yes, no, I, I understand that, and that's a good point to make. They only get the issues that they can spruik certain things, but the, the thing is there is a very clear rule that you can't spruik or advertise alcohol uh, in breakfast television. So um, they should have, producers at the Today Show should have said, yep, yeah, we'll, have, we'll have him on, great to have him on, it'll be brilliant, we can ask him all of this. Well, he wants to spruik his new um, signing of the alcohol. Well, you can't do that. Sorry, you just, that, that's, you, you just well, can't you can. do it. Because they didn't the break the code. But but but, <laughs> but that that to me is just disrespectful to everything else. He shouldn't be allowed to advertise an alcohol-based company within the network. It's irrelevant if he wasn't paid for it, and it's irrelevant if it wasn't uh, the main um, focus of the interview. They allowed him to put it in. They all knew that he was going to put it in, and that's a failure on the program and the network. Yes, they didn't technically break rules, but it's just not the right thing to do. It is a reflection of the ongoing state, poor state of affairs of the ACMA and how they enforce the code and just how bloody many holes there are in it. Because the problem now is because Michael Clark has gotten away with it in this fashion, then the next person comes along and bends it a little further and finds another way to get their alcoholic beverage promoted on the Today Show and Sunrise and all of the places. Um, It's... It's outrageous, quite honestly. And yep. in fact, the, the Media Watch um, uh, story about this situation actually went a little bit further and revealed that Michael Clark wasn't just signed on as a spokesperson, he co owns the thing. So it is in his best interest to get it out there. And whether it was a, a producer error or they just pushed it and said, no, no, you can't have Clark you unless you talk to him. I mean, however it lands, it, it just shows that the code is a sieve more than it is anything else. It's just got opportunities for you to push anything through if you think you can squeeze it in a different way. I just hate it generally in life when there's a rule and someone tries to get round it with a technicality. And the rules say you can't have alcohol ads on during breakfast, also paid segments must be disclosed but in this case it was not paid and it was within a chat talking about cricket. So technically, thumbs up for today. Morally, thumbs down for today. Okay. Now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with Sarah. Just FYI, if I own a rum brand, I will totally be slipping it in on interviews <laughs> in Australian TV. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Boasting an impressive 35-year media career, Anita Jacoby has been appointed to lead the ABC Advisory Council. She has worked in senior management and production roles across all Australian broadcasters and most recently held the position of Managing Director of ITV Studios Australia. <laughs> Nine's longest-running reality program, The Block, is likely to continue on with discussions occurring between Nine and the show's creators about extending the contract. Currently in its 17th season, the contract is expected to be extended for a further three years. All parties have declined to comment. After a scaled-down event last year due to COVID, Carols in the Domain will be returning to its rightful home. Sunrise's Nat and Koshi will host the event from Sydney's Domain, airing on 7 on December 23rd. Currently slated to perform is Samantha Jade, Mark Vincent, Paulini, and more to be announced. NBN Newcastle is moving to a new home after nearly 60 years in Mosbury Crescent. 
Australia's first regional station, established in 1962, will be celebrated with a special documentary screening locally at 5.30pm on Sunday, November 7th. And that is this week's Captures and Inspectors. Thank you, Sarah. In a moment, from home and away to Hollywood, Temin Sursok stops by for a chat. God, I really enjoyed this interview. Plus, we'll be opening up the TV binge box to find out what everyone's been watching. You're listening to TV Black Box. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. She was a favourite in Home and Away who's done what few have managed to do. Become a working actress in Hollywood. Temin Sursok is currently in Australia and this weekend she'll be appearing at Supernova in Brisbane. You can get your tickets by going to supernova.com.au and I spoke to her a little earlier and I've got to say she struck me as one of the most impressive young women I think I've ever spoken to. Tamin, welcome to okay. TV Black Box. Thank you so much for having me on a sunny afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, that's the point. You're back in Australia. Now, you've got an interesting journey because you started in Home and Away. And the fact is, a lot of people from Home and Away try to make it and they uh, when they leave the show and they don't. You've sort of defied the odds, haven't you? I mean, it depends on the day. <laughs> if you're asking me, um, you know... Uh, at the wrong time during the month, I'd probably say that I haven't got to the point where I've wanted to in my career. And then if you ask on a different day, I would say I'm extremely grateful for everything that we have achieved as me and my husband together and solely and I'm very grateful for that. So, you know, it's all just kind of perception, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. like we always strive for more and for greater. But if, if, if what you're asking is, you know, coming to America and being able to be in film and TV, yes, I've been able to do that. And for that, I am eternally grateful. And um, I think, it, you know, I, I said to my husband yesterday, I feel like it's just the beginning. Like, I feel like there's this, you know, um, misconception that, you know, I'm in my 30s and you get to a certain age and it's like, well, things start to die down your career. But to be honest, I've had my babies and it's like my top priority and I feel like it's just the beginning. And I'm really excited for the future. And you have to manifest it. You have to believe, behave, become. So I'm excited. I love that. And I think you're so right. There are definitely moments where we feel, I own this. I'm a champion. And other days where you feel, what am I doing? I'm a failure. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I relate to that big time. Yeah. It's, um, you know... I, I've learned a lot about myself over the last, especially last year. We've been in, on the road for a year, and we can get into that in depth. But, um, you know, I've learned a lot about myself through, you know, having kids, being a mom, and, you know, being in a relationship with my husband for 15 years. And, you know, I suffered from a lot of self-doubt um, in my life purely because, you know, I was thrown into the film and TV business at such a young age, which I wanted to be in. I begged to be in. But because of that, it can actually, you know, it, it, you don't get those experiences that you usually do when you're 16. Like you fail and you're not in front of the whole world, you know, mm. and you have relationships that don't work out and you kind of learn about yourself and you, you know, fail and pick yourself back up and start over and all those things. I didn't really have that. Like I had the pressure of always kind of having to be good and, you know, to have that perfectionism. And, and I think that I've learned that, you know, that, wasn't the greatest thing for me not not being on the show that definitely was but it wasn't you know the self-doubt and you know having to constantly be failing um was not good for someone like me and I wasn't able to pick myself up all the time um 
but I think now it's been really easy because I do have those tools to shift my mindset really fast. Like if I'm in that negative space that you just said, I'm able to like see, hear the thoughts in my head, like know what they are, know my triggers and be able to change my mentality. Because like you said, it's all, it's all based in perspective. It's all based Mm. on your own perspective of, of your own reality. And isn't it all true? Like if you think you're crap, then it's true. If you think you're amazing, then it's true. It's it's all true. It's based on what you think, you know? Yeah, that's absolutely right. It's fascinating to me because, uh, and I'm sure people listening to this, because you're on the cover of TV Week, and people don't think about the real Tamman. They don't think about the person who's struggling behind the scenes with their own insecurities. What they see is this beautiful young lady on the cover of magazines, in a TV show. You look to the outside world like you've got it all together and you've got the perfect Mm -hmm. life in a way yeah i mean look um i it took me a long time to talk about you know i suffered from pretty severe eating disorder from the ages of 16 to 24 and it took me a long time to admit that to admit was that the the pressure of the industry or was that your, your own pressure so I was an overweight teen. I was about um, like a hundred and something kilos when I was younger, and um, not based in anything. That was like I just love to eat, and I just gained weight, and it's about mm. you know calories in, calories out. So I just wasn't exercising, and I just ate, loved to love food. And then I got teased so much when I was growing up that one day I just got over it. I just I remember um, a boy like I thought he was going to ask me out to the for, like the formal the Knox school dance in Sydney and um, he like threw a pebble at my head and it was like I think you need to go to Jenny Craig and I remember that wow. was that was the moment that changed my life like maybe it was the moment that was I was meant to go through and maybe it was all destiny but that was the day that and I didn't have any just sort of straight straight away I actually was like you know what I'm going to be healthy I'm going to eat well I'm going to exercise I was about 15 at the time so I'd eat all my carbs in the morning and all my protein at night and I would exercise every day and I lost like 50 kilos really fast really really fast and everyone started giving me attention and I'd never gotten attention before because 15 years old and I was getting all this attention I was like oh my gosh this is love this is mm-hmm. to like get attention because I'm thin meant that I was worthy so then it started to get into a scary place because sometimes like then you get scared about eating carbohydrates and not or whatever it is you start like fearing food and for me, I just was petrified of gaining weight because if I gained weight, then I would become invisible again. And coupled in on that was being on a TV show at the same mm-hmm. time. So I was like, just lost the weight, just like, oh my gosh, finding myself, getting some attention from the opposite sex, which I wasn't used to, and then being on a TV show. So I didn't know it at the time. I loved my job. Like I, I was the first, I was always early to work. I always knew my lines. I didn't complain ever like 12 16 hour days i didn't care like i loved being Mm. i loved being there and um but the eating thing was like oh i mustn't eat because if i do then i'll lose you know lose my job lose lose uh, the ability to be loved really um and i didn't have you know back in the day like no one really knew like now you would never be able to be on set not eating without there being like someone called to the office or you know your parents getting deeply involved, but it was back then in a, in a time where like no one really talked about it. You know what I mean? Like, unless you were fainting or like, you know, in the hospital, um, which I was close to, that's when people would say something. But for me, it was kind of like, no one really mentioned it. Um, until, I met my husband at 22, I think I was 22 when I met him, and I just didn't want to be sick anymore. I was just done. I didn't want to feel sick. I just wanted to be happy, and it was like the first year that I was kind of struggling a bit, but then I just never, never relapsed again, and I just decided I was done. To find a husband at 22 is quite extraordinary in itself. <laughs> I didn't know why he was my husband, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> but to meet that person um, is quite extraordinary at such a young age to then um, overcome a disorder is another extraordinary um, feat, and especially in an industry that is so harsh. Yes, they can all say the right things about, no, we don't want people to be too thin. We don't want people to have eating disorders. But, you know, people will say things if you put on a bit of weight. 
we do. We, we we perpetuate, and that's why I have a podcast um, also called Women on Top, and it's like we talk about that. It's really a lot of women come on. That's kind of our shtick, but. Um, it's like these messages we get, right? It's like, don't do the Botox. Don't starve yourself. Don't do all these things. Be natural, be natural, be natural. Great. But then we're still doing, you know, we're still using Photoshop and Phototune mm-hmm. or whatever it is in magazines and campaigns. We're not showing women on camera with, like, sagging skin as they get into their 40s. Everyone's kind of Botoxed and fillered up. So it's like it, we're saying that that's what we want to see, but yet we don't see it. Then as soon as someone takes that kind of photo without the makeup, the articles are all how brave of her to do it, you know, because it isn't yeah, the norm. Definitely. You're quite amazing to me to go through all that, find <laughs> ultimately your husband. What made you leave home and away? Um, I wasn't really that I made a decision to leave. I'd been on the show for, you know, it, it, those contracts are when you're a, a series regular, it's a three-year contract. Mm-hmm. So um, obviously I was begging to do the show and we did the first three years and then they offered another three years and I was like you know what let's just do it for a year and a half because I wanted to see what else was out there so I did it for a year and a half and I've been on the show from 16 to 20 almost 22 and I had like grown up on that show you know I was a teenager into a young adult and my mom says that the saddest thing I've ever said to her, and it wasn't meant to be sad at the time, is I said to her, I said, my mom said, you're going to go to America, aren't you? And I said, yes. And she said, how long are you going to go for? And I said, as long as it takes. <laughs> and I wasn't saying that to be like, well, screw you, my yeah. mom. My mom and dad are like my best friends. I was kind of protecting myself because I was saying, well, I have to go until I do something. I have to be... I have to be in a show or, or a movie that like is is American and that means even something greater than what I'm doing because I don't want to fail. And I failed so much in the beginning when I first got to America. I failed, and I still fail, over and over and over and over again. But there's this like burning fire that's in me that I just will keep going like people say like how how do you find success or how do you build something and I'm like for me I get knocked down all the time and it hurts and I get depressed and I like suffer in my own wallow in my own sadness but then I get up again and I just keep fighting because like there is no other choice like there's no other choice for me like that is my ultimate goal and until I get there I will not stop fighting for it I've actually worked with a lot of talent over the years. None of them have impressed me the way you are impressing me. Your whole attitude to life. (laughs) And seriously, I'm talking some big names I've worked with in the Australian TV industry. You have this attitude that I can actually see now that if you make that decision to go to America, you are going to make it. So you then got into Pretty Little Liars. You got a major role on that. Is that the point where after the disasters, and I don't know what they are. (laughs) Many. Many. Think all the disasters. Yeah. Um, You know, I actually did the worst audition, I thought, um, to get that. Pretty Little Liars. I even said in the... In the actual um, audition, I said to the producers and I said to the writers, I was like, I'm so sorry I wasted your time because (laughs) that was the worst audition I have ever done. And they, I think they thought it was funny or endearing, but it was, it was really terrible. And I remember leaving that audition, I was 25, 24, 25. And I said to my husband, who I was dating still at the time, and my agent, I was like, I'm done. I'm not, I don't mm-hmm. want to be an actor anymore. It's too painful. You know, it, it's really painful when you know what who you are and you know what you can do. And that's been the biggest heartbreak about sort of all of it for me is like, you know what you can do. Like I, I, I did a stage show of, of Hamlet in Los Angeles, but like it was a small little, like no one came to see it, but I played Ophelia. And it's like when no one really can knows what you can do, but you know what you can do. Yeah. And then you can't seem to do it in the room. Yeah. That's like the, the most painful thing, right? It's like anyone, even if it's not acting, whatever job that you go for, you, you like want people to see your potential and you choke. 
Yeah, and you have that potential, and you know how good you are, and you know how much. It's not an egotistical thing. It's like it's what you were born to do. It's like what your purpose in this world is, and then you screw it up. You f it up, and it's like that. <laughs> To me, is the most painful thing. More than anything, <laughs> more than screwing up with my kids or my husband or whatever. It's like when your fire and your burning desire is not matched by what you do in the room. And I felt that on Pretty Little Liars, I was so mad at myself. But then you and, got it. Uh, I got the, and then I got the call, <laughs> and then I got the call the next day. You're on the show, and we didn't know it was going to be anything. <laughs> we just knew it was going to be an episode or a season. We didn't even know. They didn't even know they. Actually, they cast me on the first episode, and I didn't say anything. And then they wanted me to re-audition, thank God, because my first audition was so bad. Um, they wanted me to re-audition for the next episode, and they actually recast a lot of people on that pilot, but they cast oh. me. So, you know, don't know. Maybe it's because I didn't talk in the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> so they had no idea. <laughs> um, hey, look, I love the, it. The, the thing... That uh, the reason we're getting to talk is because you're actually out here for Supernova, which is this weekend. And yeah. weird thing is, with the whole COVID thing, I did assume you were doing it virtually from LA, but you've actually done the yeah. quarantine. You're actually in Queensland, and you will be at Supernova in Brisbane. Well, I've been here for five months because. Oh my God! So my husband, <laughs> yeah. So my husband and I have been on the road for, God, a year now. Now, what's um, that story? We don't eat... Well, COVID was so terrible in America um, to the point where everything was locked down for a year. We were homeschooling our kids for 14 months. My husband got COVID and almost didn't make it. Um, wow. It was so bad. We actually have lost many people. Um, you know, we've known many people who've had COVID. Some, yes, it's just a cold. Other people, sadly, have not, you know, survived it. Um, so we just were done. Like, you know, Los Angeles is 60,000 homeless people right now. Um, we just felt like we needed to see change. So at the end of 2020, we sold everything, sold our house, packed up everything, everything's in storage. And we decided to probably move to um, either Texas or Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee, and just have a better life, like more space for the kids, um, just more space. Los Angeles is very, you know, on, everyone's on top of each other. Yep. So that was always our plan. We went up to Montana for a couple months and went and saw Sean's family. Obviously, everything was social distance still at that time. We didn't go to any restaurants. It was just all like national parks. It was amazing. We had such a great experience. Um, and then my daughter's school, she's eight years old, opened up in Los Angeles in person. And we were worried about, obviously, her education because we hadn't, she hadn't been in school for 15 months. So we were mm. like, okay, her school's opened up. We're going to go back to Los Angeles and put her in school. And then when the break happens over summer, we'll figure out what our next move is. And then I got a call in end of May that they wanted me for a lead of a movie out here um, that will probably be on either Hallmark or Netflix. Um, and so within 24 hours, we had to pack up, um, come in, quarantine for two weeks with the kids in like a bit, one like two rooms. Um, and then uh, when I got here, I booked uh, two two TV shows, which were meant to start in September, like just a couple months ago. But because Sydney was shut down mm. um, and a lot of the cast and crew were from Sydney and internationally, so it's been pushed to January. So I've been kind of in this limbo stage of like we're living in Brisbane, our kids in school here, um, and we are going to wait for the TV show to um, begin production January 10th. And so that made it perfect timing to go to the Supernova yeah. convention in Brisbane this weekend. <laughs> wow. It was a journey. Yeah. But we got there. Lionel will be, we will be very there. happy. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard when someone's like, tell us your story. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you really want to hear. But, yeah, so we we are here for the Supernova convention, and it's at, like, 10 till 6, and I'll be signing autographs and doing one-on-ones and taking selfies and hugging everyone. It's so great to, like, touch people again. I yeah. literally didn't touch people for an entire year, including my husband. Just kidding. <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, it'll be nice to, like, hug people again. <laughs> Um, it, it will be fabulous. And, and look, 
people who are listening to this, it's not too late to get tickets. Just go to supernova.com.au. It's S-U-P-A Nova, N-O-V-A dot com dot A-U. Uh, Tamman, I'm surprised. There are so many celebrity shows in this country. I'm surprised networks haven't been throwing money at you to appear in one of the celebrity shows from I'm a Celebrity, Celebrity Big Brother. Everything's a celebrity version uh, in this country. I've asked, I've been asked for two, two ones, but one was like very physical and I'm like, I'll probably die. Oh, that's and SAS one, Australia. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm not, I didn't say that. So it's not me. Um, I think my husband was actually like, you probably die. I'm like, thanks. Thank you for your vote of confidence. Um, and then I was asked to do something that was like really more like dangerous with like spiders and snakes. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. So, yeah. Cool. Well, that's yeah. a story. <laughs> Both were just not my jam, but you know what? I'd love to. I'd love to host something. Actually, I again, I have a podcast. I love talking to people. I love, you know, I'd love to actually host a cooking show just because my kid is really into cooking shows, uh-huh. and uh, that would be really nice for her. Well, a lot of TV executives listen to this podcast, so the pitch is out there. Tamin Sursock available for cooking shows. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I love Nervous it. I don't laugh. want to cook. I just want to like taste the food and tell everyone that their cooking is great or not great. I'm a very I'm I'm great at telling people. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tamman, I, I genuinely meant it. I think you are one of the most fascinating people I've ever had the opportunity to speak to. I've never met you before um, oh we, we've spoken uh, today, uh, but I think you're great. Thank you so much for being on TV Black Box. Thank you so much. It's uh, my pleasure. Okay. Now it's time to find out what everyone's been watching as we open the TV binge box. Aaron. Oh, I'm first. Um, well, four shows. First one, Parental Guidance. What a great program. Yeah. Um, and on a serious note, if you are not sure how to approach Stranger Danger with your kids, jump onto Nine Now and watch episode two. Then watch Frontline. It's, uh, it, well. <laughs> Sorry. I was being serious. Sorry, Aaron. It's actually a very, a very good educational type of show. Well done, Channel 9. It's actually uh, very compelling. Um, and, yeah, it'll be on for the next couple of weeks. Uh, Big Brother, episode one was quite boring, but episode two was a lot better. A few juicy scenes in there. And Danny returned uh, in episode three. He's still a great player um, and still at his best. So I loved that. Uh, Lie With Me, uh, it's a new four-part four drama on 10. It was very average for the first episode, um, but until the twist at the end of the episode, um, and that changes it for me, this could be quite compelling. Um, and we were talking about 10 before. I mean, so they've got this four-part drama, and you would think, you know, air it at 8.30 for four weeks. Next week, because Gogglebox is going to air on Wednesday night because of a Socceroos match, and Lie With Me is going to air at about quarter to 10 at night. So, I mean, there you go. That just killed that show. So, well done on Channel 10 for that. Um, and my last show, of course, I've been watching, Chlamydia Island. What? It is... <laughs> How did you know where <laughs> I was holidaying? <laughs> this season, look, it's, it's really bad. It used to be like this light-hearted, silly show, basically dumb, beautiful people walking around the villa, uh, half-naked, hooking up with people. Whoever wasn't hooking up, you know, they get dumped. So they've already had the, um, you know, that cruel thing that I talked about last week where they split up a couple that were, you know, sort of together. And now they've got this, um, the girls have left the villa, the boys are in, in this one villa alone, and they've sent in these whole heap of new girls to, uh, you know, to, it's like Temptation Island now. And now when the girls come back, because some boys have cheated, it's, it's, it's just going to be this unnecessarily, you know, drama that, that just wasn't part of the silliness of the show. It's just going to be... You know, I, I, I don't think they thought this through. And you can see the ratings now, now under 200,000, I think it was last night. So Can I just clarify with you for a second, Aaron, with, with respect to Love Island, you're saying that the, the, the tonal quality of the show has dropped <laughs> so far. That, am I understanding you correctly? That it's not the highbrow, yes. you know, um, <laughs> dating love show that you thought it was going into the series a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what it was. It was a low-brow show, people, you know, half-naked walking around and, and just being silly. But now they're putting in unnecessary twists and just making the show quite cruel. 
All right, Sarah. Uh, so I have been watching uh, old naked people walking down the street um, and then uh, coming home and watching Shameless, which um, we're up to season eight now. Um, and I swear to God, every episode gets more depraved. If you just want to see a lot of... Like, I just... I wonder, like, when you get an audition for that show, if you tell your parents that you're going to be on it. Um, Sorry, because, I've never seen this show. What is it? So it's uh, William H. Macy. and uh, it's The US the longest, version of Shameless. Yeah, there was a British version and there's a US version. Apparently it was the longest running show. I've like, never seen either. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Um, it's it's shameless it's it's uh but it's actually really good like you like we just binge watch it legit for eight hours at a time um and then um yeah that was it because we're just watching that non-stop okay fair enough uh robbo what have you been watching uh well, apart from watching our producer Abby sleep sometimes, which is very <laughs> exciting, um, I've also been watching uh, Mayor of Easttown uh, with your Kate Winslet. Uh, well done on catching up, Robbo. Thank you. On Abby or the Kate Winslet? Kate. Yep, thank you. And uh, I've also been watching your Squid Game and I've also been re-watching your Kath and Kim. Oh, lovely. I have been watching Parental Guidance. Uh, I also... Have been watching Big Brother VIP, but I will be honest, I'm not through the first episode. The preview came, was it Thursday or Friday last week? And it's not because it was bad. It's literally because there's a fight on in my family for everyone to watch it together. I started watching it without them. I got in trouble and we just haven't been able to line up. I'm pretty sure that if I spoke to Docs, this would be considered child abuse. <laughs> yeah, there'd be people <laughs> knocking on the door. Um, I've also been watching The Big Bang Theory. Uh, I have been watching the first episode of Doctor Who. I got up and got up early, did my work early, so I could watch Doctor Who at 5.20 Brisbane time. And I've got to say, the ABC were late letting the video go live and I started wondering oh maybe they're doing it via time zones and waiting until 6:20 everywhere it came up about 5 minutes later but I was in a freak I was in a freak ABC it's got to go if you freak. say 6:20 you got to put it up at 6:20 and I want to make a special mention to all the networks on their Cleo Smith coverage this morning it was really well done and I usually watch uh, the Sydney feed of Sunrise and the Today Show in my office in the morning, and it was great to see them both go live with their feed into other markets, uh, specifically I saw it in Queensland, of course, but they were going live into uh, Western Australia, and to see the story unfold. First of all, we saw the, um, the video message from the police. And then the reporters are woken up. They start reporting live on the air in Carnarvon and they're delivering the story as they're finding out information. It was compelling TV from everyone. Sunrise, ABC News and Today all did great coverage. And, you know, I think when I see stuff like that, I really admire what our local news services deliver. We've got great reporting teams in this country that I think stand up to anything being produced around the world. Nine, Seven and the ABC. Seriously, the coverage they deliver each and every day is superb and we should be proud of that. Malk. And I flipped over to Studio 10 and they threw to Moira. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that's an old Burt reference, but thanks for going with me on it, friends. Um, I, I'm ankle deep in the Real Housewives of Melbourne because, of course, the Unreal Housewives podcast of Nick and Mulk is covering all of your housewives' needs. Um, check us out on Instagram and Facebook and our live stream come podcast on Sunday nights. You know you want to. Um, I'm actually really enjoying American Rust, um, which stars Jeff Daniels and uh, Maura Tierney on Paramount+. Plus. Great show. Love, love, loving it. Succession. Friends, I'm re-watching the episodes even though I have saw them all on preview. Holy snapping, this family. The Roys are all over the shop. And I've got to tell you, I think we're just about up to the... Yeah, we're almost up to the episode where they have to deal with the shareholder meeting. And it's it's just a trip. It's a hell of a ride. So hang in for that one. Uh, really enjoying last week tonight on Fox 8. By the way, Succession is on Fox Showcase. The circus is back on stand and my American political wonk needs are being met very, very deeply. 
and loving Gruen, the fact that it's back. But two two shows that I want to acknowledge finished up in the last fortnight since I've been on here. What We Do in the Shadows Season 3 finished on uh, Fox Showcase on FX in the States. And I cannot wait for Season 4, Jeepers Creepers. That's one of the funniest shows going around. That's been so, so good. Um, including a great reveal at the, the in the final episode of this season. Given what happened in the penultimate episode, it is priceless. Um, R.I.P. Colin Robinson. It's been delightful. And of course... We had our final Teal Tuesday last week, the very final episode of Wentworth, aired on Fox Showcase, and uh, I thought, look, some people have panned it, said they could have done more, and blah, blah, blah. Look, I thought it was a reasonably fitting ending to a pretty crazy show, great Australian drama, so many people worked on it. It's all on binge right now. Okay, before we leave, we obviously have to acknowledge the sad passing of Bert Newton. He was a TV icon. But pretty much everything's been said, and I'm not really sure we have the words to add to the tributes that are poured out to him, and he's obviously getting his deserved state funeral, so much love to his entire family through this time. And that brings us to the end of TV Black Box. Don't forget you can go to tvblackbox.com.au for all the latest news and stories every morning and sign up to the newsletter, which comes out whenever. Uh, (laughs) Thank you to Abby Mickelson, who was our producer, writer and editor of the podcast, and David Robinson, who also contributed to the writing of this week's episode. Sarah, Robbo, Steve and Aaron, thank you very much. I'm Rob McKnight. We'll see you next week. Who is this Steve? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.